the table with Darlene. Good evening. Welcome to At the Table with Darlene. We are so glad that you are joining us, and I hope that you're getting a cup of coffee, a cup of tea, maybe something cold to drink, and sit down for a few moments, or maybe you are on your way to work, whatever. We just hope that you will enjoy this time. We have an exciting program coming up on this podcast, and I would like to introduce who is sitting around the table tonight. To my right is my husband, Daryl, and I am so glad to have you again, Daryl, to sit at this table with us. Well, thank you for inviting me. <laughs> you are welcome. I'm glad here, too. He's invite only. But, yeah. Yeah. Chris asked me the other day, he said, how come you're not on the program? I said, well, I haven't been invited. <laughs> yeah, well, moving right so along. I knew some people, and I dropped some You hands, did. Thank you, Chris. You well, it's a joy to be here, and, and I appreciate Chris. I moved some mountains. <laughs> you're a name dropper. Yeah, wow. <laughs> I know a guy. Wow. Uh, well, anyway, I am glad you're here. And uh, you refused me last time, but you're here tonight, so we're glad you're <laughs> well, here. Well, the reason I did, because I think it was all ladies around the table. Well, Hello. Except Hello? for Chris. <laughs> Hello. 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 I'm sorry. Hello, he Chris says. was here. You're right. Chris was well, here. Well, after what all, he is the executive... Uh, Producer. Producer. I'm uh, the executive director of coffee. Director of coffee. <laughs> and we couldn't do this without him. No, he's a good and man. So, what my a, goodness. He's a godsend to, to yes. Solid Rock and to our ministry. Yeah, so Chris, we're so glad that you are Happy to be here. here and are keeping us all in line. Thank you very much. And it is a real joy to have with us tonight Boomer. And you may say, who is Boomer? Well, the mystery is you will be finding out as we go tonight like everyone that is on this program, everyone's living life, and we all have stories to tell. And uh, Boomer has an amazing story of life and testimony to Jesus Christ of what he's done in his life. And we just really uh, have been excited. In fact, Chris has been so excited for our Boomer to come on. I've wanted him since episode two. He has. Yeah. And, and so... Uh, we are really thrilled tonight that Boomer, you are with us. Thank and Boomer you. does have another name. He does? Thank he, he does have a real oh, name. Oh, well. But nobody knows me about that other name. It knows. took me forever to remember Boomer, because I call him Gomer and... Bloomer. And Bloomer. <laughs> Scooter. <laughs> I'm so glad he was he was patient and understanding with this old man here. Yeah, those those of you that know, don't know Pastor Rowell and sit in, in service all the time with him, uh, he will name you whatever he can't yeah. if he can't think of it or he'll just stare at you and smile yeah when, yes. I, when I go blank yeah. I'll make it up and go like point mm -hmm. with yes. his finger yes yes yeah. <laughs> yes those that sitting around the table uh, know that well and uh, we don't have a real crowded table in uh, in the essence tonight us our, our girls but they are all doing off doing other things and so we thought what a great time to bring in Boomer and, and uh, give you a chance to share some stories with us. And so I want to know a little bit, and I know the audience want to know, is uh, where did you come from? Where were you born? And tell us a little bit how you got into the music. He is a professional musician, and he plays at Solid Rock Family Church every Sunday. And we are so blessed to have you here. So tell us a little bit about your journey. 
Thank you, Pastor Darling. First of all, I'd like to compliment Pastor Rhodes on his chapeau. He looks like a famous <laughs> French painter over there on the other side of the table. First thing and I thought when I walked up <laughs> just to put a, just to put a picture in your mind of, of uh-huh. Pastor Pastor Daryl sitting over there. He's got his he's got his glasses on and he has a a, a French chapeau on his Black head, one? and all he's missing is his palette with his brush. Well, if you look around, you'll see these paintings in my office. You did them all? I didn't do them. <laughs> well, if we paint the picture as well, Boomer, for the people that don't know, he has beautiful, long, blonde locks. <laughs> and he's here in his normal Harley Davidson shirt, which I love. And one time he got confused for Dog the Bounty Hunter. <laughs> That's correct. Yeah. Is that true? How did that happen? That is true. We were actually, I was walking into Colton's with my wife Sandy for dinner, and a, a party with a couple of gentlemen came walking out, and a guy stopped and goes, Dog! <laughs> Pointed at me, went, Dog! I love that. Huh? I can see that. But <laughs> little face Boomer is way better looking. <laughs> Thank you. Way more oh, yeah. younger, yeah. much younger. Talented. Yes, Thank but you. I can still see that first glance yeah. of somebody that maybe has watched uh, the earlier shows. And, yeah, I can still see that. Thank you. Yeah, I got I got a chuckle out of it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you're called everything. You know. Pretty much. Yeah. Pretty much. So anyway, Boomer's story. Where? Well, um, I don't know how far back you want to go. I was born in Hackensack Hospital in the state of New Jersey. Mm-hmm. where I stayed uh, for the first four years of my life with my immediate family. and all In the of, hospital? And all of them, no. Oh, <laughs> in, 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 in New Jersey. Actually, actually in a, in a two-family uh, brick uh, house in Garfield, New Jersey. Mm-hmm. And um, all my gazillion Italian relatives are all back there. Uh, my brother ended up being severely um, uh, compromised with asthma. And he's three years older than me. And the doctors told my parents and that if they wanted for him to see his 12th birthday, mm. that we would have to go to a drier climate. And he mentioned, like, Arizona. Well, my dad was in aerospace. And he was working at Curtis Wright at the time in Binghamton, New York. And my dad said, well, there is no aerospace in Arizona. He right. goes, what about mm. L.A.? And the doctor said, well, same difference, you know. Small so my part. dad sent out a couple of resumes, and, mm. you know, before he knew it, he got called. Was that called. before smog? That was, well, right about the time of smog, right? right. Oh, okay. Actually, we got out there a month right after the 65 riots, and my mom wanted to turn around and go back. <laughs> so it was, it was 1965, so, yeah, yeah. So, uh-oh, I just gave my age away. You because now, pe- now people are going to start doing the math, you know. <laughs> but anyway, um, my dad sent out resumes, and, and Lockheed Martin said, yeah, we want you. Come on out. And so next thing I knew, we were all packed up in a 65 Buick station wagon, Hmm. And uh, following a Beacon's moving van, moving truck across the country, yeah. and I landed in L.A. and that's where I, that's where my music uh, started was wow. in was in Los Angeles. And what age did you start playing music, getting involved? I started getting involved in music right around five years old. Um, my dad uh, is a strict disciplinarian, old school Italian, mm-hmm. and during the summer times, he didn't want to deal with haircuts or longer hair or anything like that so he used to take us to the barbershop at the beginning of every summer soon soon as school got out you know and I was already I think I started kindergarten then or something like that or first grade maybe five years old I forgot what it was and um, we'd 
we go and we get these crew cuts. You know, the buzz, like you know, you're joining the military. You know, can't even imagine you with the crew cut. Mm-hmm. You know, and I hated all my friends that I had already made there. You know, they all had hair, and every time I'd have this this crew cut, so I just hated it. And I used to spend the whole summer with a knit cap on my head, especially you know? in the late '60s. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly, yeah. exactly. And one day we're coming back from the barber shop, and my dad had this '63 Volvo at the time. And um, he was a big band guy, and he had a radio station on. I was playing um, "Song of India" from I think it was Tommy Dorsey, either Glenn Miller or Tommy Dorsey, one of the two. And uh, Gene Krupa was the drummer for them at that time, and he started off the intro. It's a, it's a, I think it's a four four bar intro or eight bar intro on "Song of India." Where it's just you know on the floor toms you know boom ba da boom ba ba da boom ba da boom ba ba da boom ba da boom and I'm just I'm no I'm lick for lick just pounding away on the front of my dad's dashboard you know right along with it you know and we came to a stop sign and he looked at me and he said you want to play drums I look back I'm like yeah and within a week or so I they they hunted out a good music drum teacher in the area. And they signed Good me up for, for yeah. And they signed me up for lessons, and I and I started right there. Now, was that in L.A. or one yeah. of the suburbs, Orange County, or that was well? It's in the it's in the, it was in the north. We we ended up in in uh, in in the Burbank area, north uh, okay. in the valley. Yeah, like oh my gosh, you know, in the valley. Um, <laughs> so we um, we ended up there, and and there was a uh, there was the Wally Warwick, which was the original drummer with the Tijuana Brass. He had a music store up there, and hmm. and so we my dad got me. Less started lessons with him, and that's that's what got wow. the whole ball of wax that's going. Cool. Oh, it he, is, yeah. and really he regretted cool. it ever since. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you made a career out of it. And I ended up making a career out of it. Correct. And what what age did you get involved in a band? What was your first band? And my first band. Well, my dad was the kind of guy where he didn't just you know. I mean, we were he was we were single income household. My mom was a stay home. A stay-at-home mom raising raising us three monsters, and um, so he they, they weren't frivolous with money. So he wanted to make sure I was really interested and, and serious about this. So I played uh, and took my lessons and worked out of different you know stick control books and different different um, drum books for almost four years on a practice pad mm-hmm. and, and he didn't even have a bass pedal for me my mom had these um clackers you know like the latin i forgot to call them uh, um oh yeah yeah i know you're talking about yeah. where the flamenco yeah. dancers yeah. Yeah. all right and, and and it was a spring you know so it stayed open so when you you know what i mean and that's what my bass was oh, for my foot. Crazy. So how, how ingenious! So, so, uh, so awesome. I I used that in a practice pad for almost four years. Because uh, every year my dad would say, you know, I'm, I like, can I get a drum set now? And he goes, well, I, one more year. Let's see if you're really serious, you know. <laughs> well, you're and he, serious. And he did that yeah. four years in a row. I don't know if at that time I was actually really serious or if I just wanted to prove my dad wrong. Yeah. <laughs> well, because you know being Italian I can be a little headstrong you know and <laughs> so each time he said no I'm like well fine I'm going to show him you know what I mean it's like <laughs> but I was also getting better and better and better you know right. so um, my grandpa God love him my mom's dad he he knew I would talk and we were close we were, we were very close um, and he knew what I was going through and what I wanted and that Christmas that fourth year that Christmas he got me my first professional drum set, and it was an Oyster Blue Ludwig kit. It was a four-piece kit, and it was right off of the same uh, 
uh, same uh, line, uh, manufacturing line, because it was stamped right inside the shells, 1964, that um, Ringo Starr was mm -hmm. using. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. yeah. Uh, how old were you then? I was then, let's see, I was, I was like four, so I was about nine when I got that's that kit. Awesome. That's yeah. cool. That's awesome. And immediately started going to work. Um, started playing in school shows. Yeah. And talent, new talent shows, new talent shows, things like that. Exactly, and just started started going right from there. And by the time I was, I bet you didn't play in the school band though, right? Not then, because that's a different type of. Well, that's correct, but not th not not at that point. There's another story with that if you want. I get into later, <laughs> where I was going between sports and band, and that's a whole that's a whole another that's a whole another story right there. And I don't know how much time you got, but well, I could I could bore you to death. But anyway, um, the. Uh, that I, I did all that until I was about about twelve, about twelve years old. Um, there was some older gentleman that had a jazz quartet that just thought I was, you know, it was like a great novelty thing, you know. I mean, here's this little kid, yeah. you know, playing drums, and and so I started working with them for money at twelve, twelve and a half, something like that. Playing and jazz drums isn't easy either. Exactly. Yeah. That's where Tony Williams, he was yeah. a big influence of mine, yeah. uh, came into play. Um, and so I was I was doing that, and it was, really, that was really funny because my parents had a file for a special dispensation from the courts to allow me to work in bars and things where they were serving alcohol because I was a minor. Uh -huh. And my dad, one of my parents, had to be with me. So and this is funny. That's why that's why I was earlier. I said my dad regretted it from you know from from shortly afterward because he would he would have to take me to the gigs you know and, and, mm -hmm. and he had a station wagon and he would load up all my drums and everything. He'd have to take me to the gigs and it was really funny because I'd be we'd be unloading and 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 you know people you'd hear people in the audience going oh look how cute you know the kid's helping his dad oh, yeah. this and that and blah 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 you know <laughs> and I'm set, and I'm sitting up you know and I'm, I'm and they're like oh look at him he's like, he's that's so cute he's like, and my dad would look at him I was like no 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 he's playing not me you know <laughs> and they're like oh yeah you know that's really fun you know and and I'd get all set up and and uh, the guys would be you know they're looking at me and they're like you ready and I'm like yeah and I'd wrap out about a bar or two a time and then stop. And then we'd kick in, and at, right mm -hmm. at that point, I'd see like you know the first four or five tables of jaws dropping. <laughs> they were all like, "You weren't kidding. You really are the drummer," you know. But being that young, you were probably the star. You were the drawing card for that for, for that places. group because they were all they were all. And that's where that's where I met Hank Whalen. He was seventy one at that time. He was the original bass player with Benny Goodman, mm -hmm. and he was seventy, and I was twelve. Mm -hmm. And I learned so much from that man, you know, play, I mean, I can't tell you how much I learned from him as a seasoned jazz yeah. with that big stand-up bass, you know, yes. and he'd slap that thing, man, yes. and we'd be going, you know, and it mm -hmm. was, uh, it was, it was, a, it was a great, great learning experience. And, and from them, from there, he, uh, and the saxophone player got called to do, um, Hal Donato, which was uh, Guy Lombardo's first sax player, was starting an 18-piece swing band. And the, the saxophone player that I was working with and Hank got called to do this 18-piece swing band. Now, by this time, I was 13. And they said, hey, we know this kid that would just be a great, you know, 
like you said, a novelty great drop, sure. but you can also play. It's not like we're going to sacrifice anything, mm-hmm. you know. So I went and auditioned, and because and then and also it had a lot to do with my dad would not allow me. I mean, we had no rock records. We had no fun. Any, any everything that I learned to play on was all jazz and big band because that's all he would allow in the house. Mm-hmm. He wouldn't allow mm-hmm. the devil's music in the yeah. house. You know what I mean? <laughs> So, so, so were you, were, did you grow up in a Christian household? No, uh, Catholic, Catholic, Catholic yeah. right? Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And were I'm they a, practicing I'm Catholic, a, strict Catholic? Yes. I'm, okay. So I'm a, I'm a Catholic parochial school survivor, but yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's another that's another whole story. We got jumped into three different stories already. That's so that time you're yes. playing in bars and going to Catholic school. Correct. Oh. Exactly. That's fantastic. Exactly. And, and, the, and the thing is, the thing when when I was playing before I got into the big band, when I was playing the jazz quartet. I got uh, a, a, a woman came up and slid a couple of dollars down my tom-tom as a tip. And I was, like I said, I was about 12 or so. And I knew right then when I saw that couple of bucks coming up because, I mean, I would, I would, my dad would slave us for like 50 cents allowance. You know what I mean? Oh, and, yeah. I, and I saw that couple of bucks come down and I'm thinking like, where's a whole month of allowance right there in the first, <laughs> in the first like, you know, 15 minutes. Right. I'm like, I knew exactly what I wanted to do with my life. You know, yeah, from then on, sure. I knew I was done. I was, you know, and then I would get paid. They would pay me like $30 for the... For the for the four hours for the night, you know mm-hmm. what I mean. So here I'm making thirty dollars plus tips from you know from the I'd be pulling home fifty sixty bucks, mm-hmm. you know on a Friday or Saturday night, and all my friends my age are mowing lawns and doing yeah. this and that, and they're and they're getting like a buck, three yeah. bucks, mm-hmm. you know, in a week. How interesting! <laughs> I'm, yeah, like, I'm like I'm like you know I'm like kingpin, you know. Hey, yeah. hold it, hold it, macro dad fish, you know. Like, would your dad let you keep the money? I, oh, no, yeah, absolutely no, no, I don't. Uh, it, it, I, I got to keep about like five bucks or so out of it, and, and like by five bucks out of it, so I got to keep like ten dollars out of it, and the rest went in the bank. Uh, <laughs> you know? but, but aren't you glad that he did? I mean, even though that was hard at the time, he was still watching out for you. Abs- absolutely. I mean, that had to be hard for them to see you even maybe in that environment because if they were practicing Catholics, you know, they they had various you know things that they believed in, and so. That that was probably a real challenge for them also to see you at 12, 13, 14 years old uh, getting better and better. And then you can watch the pool that's around. And so, you know, even though you didn't get to see a lot of your money, they were trying to take care of you and saying there there is a future after this. So uh, where does, you were talking about uh, earlier, you had mentioned that, yes, you did get involved in a school band. How did that come about? Well, that wasn't until after I got into high school. Okay. Okay, so I played with the big band for two or three years. Um, And, you know, even though there was, you know, you're right about them really watching out for me because my dad took every one of those guys aside that I didn't know about until later and told them, he told them, he says, you expose this kid to anything he's not supposed to see at his age or, or, or right. understand or do, he goes, you'll have me to deal with. Good. Mm-hmm. You know? And so they really, they all really protected me. You know, all the guys in the band, yeah. if they were they were smoking, they'd go outside and you know what I mean? Or if there was a woman, there would, would be, you know, sure. stuff I just, I just, I didn't, wasn't exposed to. I didn't see it because my 
my dad super played, cool. My dad cool. laid a lot down. And my dad was the kind of guy, he was old school Italian. You know, he had the black curly hair and everything. You know, he had the, the rolled up sleeves with the t-shirt. Even though he was an aerospace engineer. Wouldn't like a Winston in there? Well, he, lucky strike. <laughs> lucky strike. Yeah, until, until, the, until the Surgeon General came out and, did, yeah. you know, said that he linked it to lung cancer. And, and he took, a, he had a full pack. He had a lit cigarette. He just took it all out and threw it away. Cold turkey. And that was it. Wow. wow. He was That's done. Awesome. But he, so he was hardcore. He was a tough guy. He, <laughs> he was. was a, he was a tough guy. He was. He was the kind of old school Italian that I didn't get a hug and a kiss from him until probably mm-hmm. we had a long sit down talk when I was about thirty two years old. You know, he wow. was that kind of guy. Which is crazy because you were one of the most affectionate yes people I've ever met in my life. And I think a lot of a lot of that comes from my mom. Mm-hmm. Number one and number two, I think, is because I didn't get that from my dad. I think it manifested like over, you know, it just came way out of me because I was I was so starving sure. it for all those years. You know yeah. what I mean? I probably get a kiss on the cheek from you twice a week. Right. Yeah. And you uh, and as long as you're in my heart, you always will. Yeah. You know what I mean? And yeah. it That's and awesome. it's and it's indiscriminate. You know, guys, sure. gals, whatever. It's not it's not anything other than that right. saying that you know I, I love you. You know what I mean? It's like. I'm sure people that aren't used to that type of affection or attention, they, they, the first time it probably catches them off guard. But when they know the heart of Boomer, there's nothing impure at right. all about Meaning by the it, right. outward affection. And it's interesting to, to, to hear that because your father wasn't mm-hmm. like that, That's true. because generally you will become just like that male role model, mm-hmm. but but you, you, you didn't even... Uh, come under that type of an influence. You you came out of that and was more like your mother. And that and I, I can't imagine Italians not being lovey and and uh, you know that touchy old, and the males, the old school males. You know that you don't. No, no, no. The Godfather know. type. Huh? Hey, pretty much exactly. You know, <laughs> very standoffish. Very you know. And I you know I mean, it's not like I didn't know he loved me. You right. know what I mean? Right. I, he did things to, you know what I mean, to taking me around, you know what I mean, being, you know, to the gigs and everything, watching, the you know. He supported you as love. Watching very, out very behind him, behind my yeah. back, making sure those guys, yeah. you know what I mean, all that kind of. The that man sh- loved you. That yeah. showed me, yeah. right, you know. But I, I was craving, you know, to, to be held by him. Right. You know what I mean? To be, to yeah. you know, and it just it didn't it didn't happen until like years later. There's you know a good I mean? message there, isn't there? Yes. There, there is. About the Father's love, you know, yes. and our heavenly Father, yeah. you know, wanting to pour His love upon us. It doesn't mm-hmm. matter how ugly we've been to Him or or how disobedient we've been. He still wants to pour out His love upon us. Exactly, and and, it, and, and we need that from Him. We need that from our do. heavenly Father, just like we do our earthly Father. Absolutely, we need it. Chris, was your father uh, a loving, uh, outgoing type of person? My dad was somewhere in the middle. I mean, he wasn't he wasn't standoffish, and I did get a hug from him usually every night before bed, but he wasn't like the way Boomer is. And, you know, when I came to this church, you know, and I've said this before, the first time I walked in the door, I felt so much love. And there's been times that I have not wanted to come to church, just being in a bad mood or tired or whatever, and I have come just to be hugged by Boomer. I mean, <laughs> wow. and that's the truth. I, that's I, awesome. You. I mean, yeah. you, your love is very effectious. Thank you. So, I mean, it, it, it's a, I mean, and I'm not exaggerating. I have before, and I've told Jess, I'm like, I don't want to go, but I want to see Boomer, so let's go. You're going to get both cheeks yeah. next Sunday. Yeah. <laughs> Kayla, God love her, she told me the same thing last night. Yeah. 
you know. I mean, it's, it's very introverted. I'm gonna, girl. you guys, you got, you it's got. Your, it's I'm your gonna forewarn. I'm gonna forewarn. I'm gonna forewarn you. You guys start talking about some of the stuff, and I'm gonna start. You're gonna get me crying. And we I have tissue. Okay. Like, we have tissue. My wife laughs at me. She says, "You're the only guy I've ever known that could cry at a Pepsi commercial." Like you know, such a such a big heart, uh, and you do have that, and that that's what shows so much from you, Boomer. And to know that you've the road of life, you know, the road of life that that everyone that's sitting around the table, we all have a road of life. Mm -hmm. And and, uh, yours has had a lot of twists and turns to it. As yours. Yes. uh, I read your book a couple times. Thank you. (laughs) Everyone that is around this table has had, you know, those curves of life and all. And but it comes back to what are we going to do with those? Right. And so, so you have turned a lot of adverse situations into really good ones. And I want to take this moment before we go any farther. Did we actually say who your name really was? I don't think so. I don't think so. What is your name, Boomer? <laughs> my name <What>? is... <laughs> <laughs> Hi! No, um, what's on my birth certificate is Mark Lewis Papalardo. That is a mouthful. And so, how did you get the name Bo- Boomer? When... My grandfather finally sent me my first professional drum kit, and the first thing I did was set it up in my bedroom and start playing everything that I've been playing on that practice pad and on that clacker. My mom down the hall said, oh, that booming is just going to be... Uh, she goes, what did we do, that booming? And from there on, she, she goes, you're a boomer. She goes, and, and then from there on, she said, boomer, boomer. So my mom gave me that name and when I was nine, and it and it's... It stuck with me ever since. All my friends and um, uh, music associates and, and people like that all know me as Boomer. If, if somebody if somebody calls me Mark, mm-hmm. they don't know me. They don't know you. Right. That is so interesting. I like that. Yeah. Uh, and it's better than a lot of people's uh, nicknames that they get, you know. Uh, yeah. So, so Pastor's giving me about six yes, or seven. Right? Oh my God. <laughs> I could go the pile on the drummer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so you were playing in places for a young person was uh, not conducive to a healthy uh, spiritual environment. Did you find yourself going to the dark side sometime later on? Yes. Would you want to elaborate on that, or do you rather not talk about that? Uh, well, that that goes uh, about the time when I started um, entering into the uh, uh, rock, uh, Scene, funk, yeah. R and B genre. I started getting out of swing and bebop because I started I started to get a little older, and my dad was getting less and less control. Right, over me, right. I was getting more rebellious. Uh-huh. I can see that. Yeah. And um, I, my, I had a, I had a garage band at fourteen. We were called Toys, <laughs> and uh, I still have the logos and the pictures and stuff. You still um, have a T-shirt, and I do a T-shirt. Yeah. Yes, mm-hmm. and uh, I would go up to my John Griscanis was a was a street. We lived on a cul-de-sac street. Uh, in in Tahunga, which is the north side of the valley, just north of Burbank, on, right on the other side of the, of the mountain, the hills there, and um, the, he he was the guitarist in the band, and then there was a, a, another guitarist and another bass player that were not on the street, but he, us two were on the on the street, and so I would I would sneak up to his house and learn all these rock songs because he had the rock albums. 
So I would learn, you know, the rock songs, listening to the albums, mm -hmm. playing, you know, up at his house, and then we'd bring him down and for the band and, you know, learn with the band and everything like that. And it was at that point uh, he also introduced me to marijuana. And it was at that point between getting into the rock and marijuana kind of started mm -hmm. leading me away, you know, and... I also like to I also like to just say this one thing is that Catholicism is doesn't have at least for me the spiritual scriptural grounding that you know that that I've that I experienced later on in my life with with getting away from the Catholic Church okay so there really there wasn't that anchor the foundation to, right. foundation to pull me back when I started, you know, when the rudder started, you know, there was no, there was no rudder correction, you know, mm -hmm. it just started, and it was off and running right. from there. Right. Yeah. And so, so you, uh, after you got into the band, how long did you play in rock and roll bands? Well, from there on out. For, so. From there on out, it was between, between rock and funk and dance and R&B and, you know, it was like, it was, it was just, it was, it was commercial backbeat music all the way from there on out. So did you spend, uh, a lot of years in LA is that where you spent most of your years of music was it when you were there yes I didn't I spent 30 years in LA in LA yeah record so the first you, 30 years of your life the first 30 well, well minus, minus, minus the four, four right yeah. so actually it was more than that because it was 27 in LA plus four so it was at 32 mm -hmm. 32 years in LA yeah wow and so during this time, uh, did you get married and, and uh, have children and still playing uh, in the bands? And, and tell us a little bit about your life. Okay. Um, not until... I didn't get married until I almost was ready to leave L.A. Um, that was a different... I mean, it was a situation with that. And um, But up until then... I was, you know, no, I was essentially, you know, single and... Mm -hmm. Married you know, to your music. Married to my music, exactly. Exactly. Now, you did uh, you did some professional gigs uh, in the recording studios as well in L.A.? Oh, absolutely. Some absolutely. of us. Well, when getting back to the to the school band thing, okay? Oh. So, so I, we were in this band, and we were getting pretty... We're getting making a lot of noise in LA. Okay, we're getting a mega buzz, and I'm I'm still 14, 15 at this time. Okay, and um, and the one guitarist was older. He was 17, so he'd be driving us around. You know what I mean, right? And uh, and getting the beer and all that kind of stuff. But anyway, um, we were making some noise, and 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 I was also I was kind of torn between sports and music. I mean, my dad was a big football guy. He played football and baseball. He was. Uh, you know, uh, semi-pro in baseball and things, and he, you know, so, you know, looking for that connection with him, uh, you know, I, 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 I went Wanted to please went him. the sports route also, yeah. sure. as sure. well. So, so I was doing a, a double thing. I'm, I'm doing the music here, and then I was, I was also doing sports. You know, football and baseball. Well, um, when I was 16, I guess that would have made me. What a sophomore in high school, probably something like that. And um, the I was playing varsity football at that point already, and the band 
director wanted me to play in the band. In 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 a in a in a performance band. It wasn't the marching band. Oh, okay. We had like a performance band, you know. And since I had the jazz band background with the swing band and all that kind of stuff, they really wanted me. And at right at sixteen, I also got signed to my first record label, which was Capitol Records, doing um, session work. Oh wow. Okay. Studio musician. Studio musician. Awesome. Okay. <clears throat> so you know, I was making pretty good money already there. I was doing, I was working, and I was playing. Football, well, and baseball, and the music director um, wanted me to play, and the coach was like, "No, you're playing that," and it was this big tug of war. Back to I right. said, "Look, I said, I said, I said, can't, I said, why can't I do both?" And they're like, "What do you mean?" It's like, "Well, I said, you only play music at halftime, you know." <laughs> I said, "I said, why don't, why don't I play football and at halftime play with you guys in the band and then go finish the game?" <laughs> and they go, well, how, "What's that going to look like?" So I said, then this is what this is what I ended up doing for the next two seasons, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen. For the next two seasons, <laughs> um, I would what I would do is I'd get all suited up and everything in my football uniform. I'd play the first half of the game, and then when they all at halftime, when they all went to the locker room to discuss what they were going to discuss, I'd pull off my shoulder. My kit would already be set up in the in the in the bleachers from yeah. before the game, yeah. okay, and I would, I, and my tennis shoes would be there, and I'd <laughs> pull off funny. my shoulder pads and helmet, and I'd, and I'd have my, you know, I'd just leave my, my pants on, my thigh pads and everything, you know what I mean, and I'd run up there, and I'd, and I'd yank my cleats off, and I'd put my tennis shoes on, and I'd run up, and I'd play the whole halftime with the with the band, you know what I mean, and then when they started coming back out of the locker room, we finish up the last song, I'd run back down and throw my shoulder pads back on, put my cleats back on, <laughs> they'd fill me in on what they talked about in the locker room, and I'd go play the second half. <laughs> That's how I... That is awesome. I've never heard of anybody doing that. That's how I juggle it. It probably uh, doesn't happen anymore because they probably. I mean, I don't know if I haven't I, seen I, if high schools would allow that. Right. Now. I haven't. I haven't seen it since. I. I. You know, it was something Let's, that was. What a story. Right. It was. It was so, kind of. So since you cut your teeth on on jazz and. Uh, <clears throat> Uh, I guess jazz and swing or whatever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you do you kind of despise that kind of music now, or do you still love jazz? Because that's a totally different style than like what we do in our worship services here. Yeah, yeah no, correct. No, absolutely. Um, not not at all. I I embrace all forms of music as good. long as it's good and it's done well. Yeah. You know what I mean? I just, uh, you know, it's like, to, if it's not, if it's, if it's being butchered, to me, it's like fingernails coming down a chalkboard. You know? yeah. I, I just can't, you know, right. uh, I can't listen to that. I can't yeah. be here. I got to go, you know. I think that's why many professional musicians have a hard time fitting in a local church somewhere uh, just to come and sit and enjoy the service is because uh, they hear every sour note. They hear every rhythm. Yeah. yeah, production and, so, and music, and I see it, and I'm like, oh no, I can't do this. Yeah, yeah. and that's right. It's like yeah. the fingernail on the chalkboard yeah. thing. Uh, you can't, and, and you into, can't help it. You can't but, get into any sort of worship or anything because all you can see is. So how do you? Right. So there's yeah. got to be a way to uh, not allow that to affect you from worshiping God in a in a church where you feel like you're supposed to be at. Mm-hmm. This is the first place that's happened for me. That I didn't. But we're far from we're far from professional. Which is very true. And there's a lot of stuff that's not right, and I don't mean that in a bad way. But a lot of stuff that would normally throw me off. But here it doesn't. For I guess it's some sort of anointing or something. Maybe the love. Yeah. Overrides. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Number one, but number two, Pastor, um, you do have a pretty high level of performance going on up there. Okay. I mean, 
Pastor Darlene here has got a world of experience under her belt sure. already. I mean, she's been recorded. Yeah. She's been, you know what I mean? She know, you know. And For those of you that don't know, she's made seven records. Right. She's made, uh, she, she traveled, huh? Actually eight. Oh, I'm sorry. Eight, eight. records. Get it right. So, yeah, get eight. it right. I mean, eight. Eight. Yeah, it's right. <laughs> if you're going to tell a story, Actually, it was probably before uh, CDs. It was probably LPs, the old vinyl, vinyl. and then oh, and then the eight my track. And my first ones are out on vinyl. I'm not saying anything. <laughs> no, but we did graduate to, to uh, CDs. To CDs. Oh, yeah. 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 Eventually, yeah. But, uh, you know, she traveled in, in a, a nice big luxury bus, and uh, they were on the road full time. So she does know a lot about music, but but she has never allowed that professional side of her to interrupt her worship or to even keep her from from being a part of the worship team. And same here, right? Same exactly. here, and that's and that's. Uh, but but yet, you know, even though uh, Dwayne maybe doesn't quite have the experience that we do, I mean, he is he has managed to uh, get very proficient. On his keyboards and his vocals, and 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 even Luke too, you know, on, on his bass. I mean, he's he's probably he's probably not you know nowhere near the level of your son, you know. But yet he's good enough to hold his own with a guy like me. That it's not it doesn't that it doesn't affect a guy like Chris where he's 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 hearing good music, you know. Yeah. What I mean, he's hearing. So there's uh, yeah there's. But I think Chris, you said something that's really worth revisiting, and that's the anointing. Mm-hmm. Because you know the anointing is is something that will kind of help us just all get into a, a, a worship with regardless of. I mean, you don't have to have music to to worship God. And you know, I heard somebody say one time that we we tend to worship worship or we worship the music instead of worship God. Mm. Well, and I think or the production. Yes, the, we and the I production, really think that mm-hmm. my son has really helped me a lot in 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 our talking in the last couple of years because. Uh, you know, he's been put in situations and places sometimes where God just wants us to see if we can worship anyway. Mm. And that's where mm-hmm. he's been. And get to the place where he, you're okay with that. Mm-hmm. And when you're okay with that, God begins to use your talents and your gifts and helps. When he puts you in a place, I believe that, you know, everything that, that you guys have to impart enriches what is already exactly. here. Right. And I think mm-hmm. that's the beauty of God. Yep. You know, when you find right. your spot and you find your place, and God will try to take your focus off of that, and I think that's one of the things that, that you guys have done. You fell in love with a side of Jesus by the love that's been shown to you that maybe it kind of takes away the rough edges so much that you're not, because the love is winning. Exactly. And, well, and that's that's exactly why when I came... I was in no hurry to do anything. Mm-hmm. You know, I, mean? I was perfectly content sitting out there worshiping with everybody else. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It, because of that, what you just said, mm-hmm. exactly what you just said. Mm-hmm. It was the same. That's awesome. Same thing. That's awesome. And so, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, you go ahead. I was going to. Chris's background is is also that of of a, a professional side. You know, with with uh, he's worked for some major name ministries and. You know, we're not name droppers, but but he's worked with some major ministries, well known. If we were to say them, you would know who they were, mm-hmm. and uh, and he's he's been out there on the front lines with with productions and and recordings and all that stuff. And and to have him setting in solid rock is just it's just a, a blessing. I'm, we're we're back here wondering, God, why are you sending these great people? You know, and and, and they're they're getting involved. They're not just sitting back there criticizing. They're they're getting involved and. Like it or not, Chris, you are involved. Yeah. <laughs> so I want to hear the story. So your 
Catholic, you are playing professional music. I mean, you're signed by Capitol, and who knows who else you've been signed by. Three other and, people. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, and now I've heard that story of you, and now I see the side of you. You're like one of the most loving men yes, that I've ever yes. seen in my entire life. So what, and you love Jesus, and you love people, yeah. and you're you're kind and intelligent and talented. Like, what brought you from, what brought you here? Like, was there a turning point in your life that um, you walked away from the Catholic Church, or like, what, what was the story there? Yes. Um, well, there was many years between uh, of downward spiral of the the more success I was having mm-hmm. in what I love to do the deeper I was getting into mm-hmm. the darkness mm-hmm. okay was 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 just closing in around me mm-hmm. okay and that that went on for many years mm-hmm. for 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 a while well would you be willing to uh it, we'll come back in, in a little bit, and uh, on our next broadcast, would would you be willing to come back for our next podcast, and we'll share a little more with our listeners, because I I, I really believe they'd like to hear more, don't you, Chris? Oh, yeah, I, I yeah I'd like to pick up where uh, Chris just asked that I, question. I would too. Because I want to hear the story of the transformation in your life, because it's yes. like Chris said, it's evident that you yes. have God in your heart. Thank you. Yes. you love people and you love God and and you're faithful to the house of God. I mean. Anytime these doors are open, you're here, and it's not because you're playing the drums or involved on, on the stage. You you just love God, and yes. we'd like to hear the rest of that story. Yes. Uh, they're going to have to wait till next week to hear it. Yes. Okay. Uh, but but we really do want to be, and I also another thing I, I, I want in in our next podcast. I would really because I think there's some listeners out there, maybe some young ones, that are very talented, very very gifted, and, and uh, God has good plans for them. Mm-hmm. And, and maybe you can just uh, share some more of your heart with them that will encourage them because some of them may already be off in a deep end somewhere and they don't know how to get out. Uh. And so I really think it's going to be important that that as you share the rest of your, some more of your story, you'll never be able to share, uh, you know, it's impossible for all of us to ever share all of our story. But I, I really believe that it's worthy uh, to the listener to come back uh, for the next po- podcast. And, and so... We're going to uh, uh, pray here in just a minute. Uh, you have a scripture you'd like yeah, to share with if us? If I'd like to read a scripture Absolutely. that supports what we've been talking about for the last, what, 45 minutes. And so uh, Psalms 150 says, Praise the Lord. Praise Him in the sanctuary. Praise Him in the church house. Praise Him in the mighty heaven. Praise Him for His mighty works. Praise His unequaled greatness. Praise Him with the blast of the ram's horn. Praise Him with the lyre and the harp. Praise Him with the tambourine and dancing. Praise Him with the stringed instruments and the flutes. Praise Him with a clash of the cymbals. You're you're familiar with that. Mm -hmm. Praise Him with the loud clanging cymbals. That's the scripture we used to use when we had a drummer that didn't know how to play. (laughs) Praise with the loud clanging cymbals. Let everything that breathes sing praises to the Lord. Praise the Lord. Amen. Of course, that's Psalms 150, but... uh, what what a beautiful picture of mm-hmm. of God's creation, everything in creation, praising Him and worshiping Him. Yes, Amen. and, and uh, I I was just as he was saying that I was just thinking you know uh, about the fact that that you have just done a metamorphosis in your life. Mm-hmm. God is just, but He's took you on that journey, and, and uh, 
to God be the glory of how mm-hmm. he has resurrected your life. Mm-hmm. And uh, we just, uh, the last two weeks, have had uh, about drug addiction. Mm-hmm. And uh, I know that you went through some addictions of your mm-hmm. own. And so we're going to share the glory of how God brings a person out. And so, uh, Chris, would you be willing to pray before we uh, complete this broadcast? Heavenly Father, we just come before you in Jesus' name and just thank you, God, for all of our listeners, Lord, and just pray, God, that um, Boomer's story just opens up some people's hearts, Lord, and and knows that we are all human and we all have lives of, you know, where we're trying to be the best we can for the Lord, but there's other times that we fall short and that we are human and we're all real people and that we can all be real here and talk Mm -hmm. about those real things and just thank you, God, that you're just opening up people's eyes to that, Lord, and that you're just causing all of our listeners to be blessed um, this coming week. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, until the next time that we gather around at the table with Darlene, may the peace of God rule and reign in your heart. God bless you all.